Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So at the moment, we are in between seasons here on the show, but while we're waiting for our next official season to begin, we thought that this would be a great time to pull some of our favorite episodes out of the Girls' Night Archive. This is a great time to catch up on episodes you might have missed throughout the years or to listen to old favorites all over again. Our guests are incredible. I know that I learn something new each time I listen to an episode, even if it's one I've heard a million times before. Okay, now without any further ado, let's dive into the episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. 
Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. All right, friends, I'm sitting here with my friend, Bianca, and I'm so excited to get to introduce you to her. If you haven't met her yet, I'm going to go ahead and say you're welcome for this new friend in your life because you're going to be so happy to have her. Bianca, can you tell us, for the women who haven't met you yet, tell us who you are, what you do, and I'm really, I I have high hopes for your fun fact. Oh, this is exciting. Okay, no pressure, Steph. I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I think you can do it. (laughs) I think you can do it. Okay, so my name is Bianca Oltoff, and Steph is not just a random person on a podcast. She's actually someone we've met. I've met before several times. We have a mutual friend, and um, I'm so excited to where the conversation goes. My fun fact, though, is though I would not necessarily say I would start a dance party, if I'm ever traveling out of town in an airport or in a place that I will never see anyone ever again, I bust out like like I'm a backup dancer for Beyonce. And I'm shameless about it. Like I am absolutely shameless about it. In my mind, I am a backup dancer for Beyonce. So I think that's my fun fact that most people don't know, except for my travel assistant who always records records me. And we have this thing, we call it twerkship. So it's like twerking, but it's worship. So it's twerkship. And uh, we like to do that in airports. I, I mean, do you have music out loud or is it like in your headphones or is it just in your head? Sometimes it's in my head or if it's like, I think the reason why it works so well at airports is because there's always some like musical track playing. And so sometimes I feel like doing pirouettes because it's more like classical. Sometimes I do feel like doing a little Michael Jackson kick because it's like James Brown or something soulful, like, you know, Michael. And sometimes it's just like, we're going to have a dance party because it's like Justin. So, I mean, it's like whatever, whatever's clever, we're going to make it work. I'm so into that. I love that. That's a, that's a good quality in a person. But here's the thing, you're, you're never going to, see these people ever. I'm just going to do me. I'm bring joy to this room, bring joy to my life, bring joy to Jesus, to the act of dancing because I'm going to dance like David dance. <laughs> get it. Get it. I love it so much. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Okay. So Bianca, I have a zillion questions for you today. And so I want to dive in because I want to just see if I can get through all of them. I'm super excited about this. You have a new book that is coming out in just a few weeks and it's called How to Have Your Life Not Suck, which I love. Can you tell us, like, tell us about the book and the backstory for it? Why did you 
Why did you write a book called How to Have Your Life Not Suck? Well, first of all, I love that I get to talk about this book before it comes out because um, most people are kind of leery about, you know, books and it's just one more thing. But I'm super excited about this topic. In fact, the book title, <laughs> I'm glad that you love it. My mom, not so much because she says, Bianca, we should not use the word suck. My mother's super conservative. But I told her that here's the thing, mom, I wish that someone would have told me this 10 years ago. You know, when I'm 25 years old and questioning, what am I doing with my life? Why does everything suck? I wish someone would have handed me this book. And I'm, it's really like my heart behind it was this could be a playbook for girls experiencing uh, coming out of like loss or heartbreak or confusion or joblessness. And they can resonate with someone that's not just live through it because that's been me, but then also see like a biblical perspective. And so whether people have like a biblical background or they don't, I feel like there's some practical handles that we can learn from women who have gotten before us. But then the second thing is that I'm really seeing is that like, yes, I wrote this book for the 25-year-old me, but like, as I'm going through the book now, I'm realizing that there's these practical principles even for now, for me in my life that I'm still employing to this day. And so um, speaking of my mom, there is this 14-year gap between my mom and my youngest sister. And so how my mom raised me is Wait, very between you and your between you and your my youngest sister. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Got yeah. Got yeah. So I mean, people when I when she was born, people thought like I was her mom. So there's a huge gap. And so my mom was just talking about how like she just feels like my youngest sister Zoe was born in a different generation. And so the things that she's dealing with, whether it's like social media or like the economy fall in 2007, like these all affected this generation, especially like millennials and next gen. And so my mom felt like this book was a playbook for Zoe, but a primer for her. So she has an understanding of what girls now are dealing with. And so that's a little bit of the heart behind it. And though that was like I didn't know that from the beginning that this was what it was going to morph into. I'm so excited that we're here now because the feedback so far has been super positive. I love that. I love that. And you know, I mean, that's the heart behind everything that we do like here on my podcast and in my space too, is just, we need... I think that the best thing that we can do for each other is, you know, we whenever we go through something, we learn a ton along the way. And we have two options at that point. We can either just keep going, learning the lessons we need, you know, gathering up all the wisdom we need and just keep moving forward. Or we can stop and turn around and what like help the women who are a step or two behind us using the things that we just learned. And I think you know, some really cool things come from this. One is just practical insight and wisdom. Like do this or don't do this. I, you know, let me just make your journey easier and less painful and more fun. And then also just knowing that you're not alone. I think that's a huge part of it is when we're going through something hard, it's hard enough. The thing is just hard enough. But that feeling of like, am I crazy? Am I the only one who feels this way? Am I the only one who just cannot get this part of my life together? Having someone say, no, like I, I felt the exact same way or I went through that too or I made that mistake too is just, it just helps it, it, so much. It just, it just is so nice to know that you're not alone. And so I, I love this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like the power of allowing someone to go second. If you go first with your pain, you go first with your experience that empowers other people to feel like, wow, that's a me too moment. And um, I, I I remember, you know, 10 years ago, I or 12 years ago now, but my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer. I couldn't find a job. I moved back home. I was applying to grad school. I felt like such a loser because I couldn't find a job and had to move back home. Um, I was dealing with the possibility of my mom passing and the 
ending of a relationship that I thought was going to be with my future husband. And so it just felt like everything in life sucked. And it was so lonely and isolating. And I didn't feel like I had a place that I could be honest or a community that I could be honest with because it felt like everyone's life was moving on. Everyone was getting married. Everyone was having kids. Everyone found a job. Everyone's you know, on with their life. And I felt like I was regressing. And I found solace in meeting two women from an Old Testament book from the Bible that I felt like could be my mentors, my friends in a really sucky season. Love that. I love that. And do you want to talk about the women real quick? Because I feel like they just inform so much of the direction of the book. Absolutely. Yes. So these two women, their name is Ruth and Naomi. There's a small four chapter book in uh, the Old Testament. And it is based on two women who lost everything. They lost their husbands. They lost their home. They lost their hope. Um, and there was no hope of a future generation because one woman was older in age and unable to bear children. And the other one was dealing with infertility issues and couldn't get pregnant. And so they marched back to what would be home and find a sense of wholeness within community and a space for God to redeem a really, really, really sucky, sucky situation. And I feel like I walked away from reading that book and making friends with these Bible characters and feeling like if Ruth put one foot in front of the other after losing everything and she got to work in her field, I feel like I can get up in moments of, that are absolutely sucky and where dreams feel dashed and life feels lost and put one foot in front of the other and end up in a field and you just don't know what God's going to do even in those situations because it looks like it's the end but your end might just be your beginning and something completely new in a new direction. I love that. Okay, so I, I love everything that you've done in this book. And and I'm so grateful that you're taking the time to stop and look back and write down some of the, thing, the things that you wish someone had written down for you. And especially in this season of life, I feel like our 20s, especially later 20s are so tricky. We are dealing with like <laughs> major... This is just one of the biggest crossroads of our entire lives. You know, we're figuring out who we are. We're dealing... Like at this point in life, we've gone through enough to have some major wounds that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. We're deciding what we want to... At least like kind of a a general direction that we want to take with our life and what we're sort of meant to do in the world. We're choosing our like who we're going to spend our lives with. It's just so much is happening. And so much is happening. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because so much is happening in each of our lives and it's all happening at different speeds. So when all of your friends are like, you know, you're focusing on your career, but then all of a sudden all your friends are getting married, which puts way more pressure on like that area of your... I mean, it's just everyone is dealing with a lot and it's all happening at different times. And it's just a lot to navigate. So I'm really grateful that you wrote this book. Thank you, Steph. So one of my favorite things that you talk about in the book is friendship. And this is just... Friendship is is one of my favorite things in the world. It's It's been... God has used friendship in my life in just unbelievably powerful ways. I'm such a believer in friendship, but I also know friendship can be really hard. So I have <laughs> a bunch of questions about that. Yes. Um, but before we even get into it, I would love to hear a little bit about your high school group of friends that you talk about in the book. And our mutual friend, Bree, is one of them. And so I'd love to hear about them. And I'd also love to hear about the pearls and how they inspired you. <laughs> Absolutely. So statistically speaking, friendship is one of the tension points that most women, and that is in any age demographic, is wrestling with. Where community is like the one thing that we want, and yet the one thing that we're fearful of. And where does that fear come from? It comes from past 
hurt and past trauma. And so friendship might feel for some um, overwhelming because you don't know where to begin. And friendship for others might feel like scary because you've been hurt and you don't want to go down that road again. But I think if we look at friendships as seasons, it might help us a little bit. And so uh, you mentioned a chapter that I wrote on friendship uh, because I, sadly, I failed at friendship. But then I also have some really great friendships. And I remember watching an Oprah episode. Back in the day when Oprah saw her talk show, I was in high school and I caught an episode where where Oprah had met this group of women. They were in their uh, in their 60s at the time. Actually, no, they were in their 80s at the time. But they had 60 years of friendship between them. They met in their 20s and they had seen loss and love and um, marriage and divorce and babies and grandchildren. And I remember watching them and being so amazed. They each had a string of beautiful pearls that hung around their neck. And they said, they called themselves the pearls because all of them were strung together in life. It was over time that they were made and developed. There's this beautiful story. And I remember being 15 years old, watching this episode thinking like, how do I make friends like that? And then the question was posed is, how do I be a friend like that? And so I met um, my group of friends in high school. And I remember uh, that... By the time we graduated high school, I said, if we are going to remain friends, because statistics will say that you will not end up friends with 96% of the people that you went to high school with. If I'm going to remain friends with this group, what's the work that I'm going to have to put in? And so over the course of college, and I can safely say, gosh, 25 years later, we are still friends to this day. And so it's been such a fun adventure, um, but it's come with a lot of work. And so in that chapter, I talk about like the work that goes into it, but then also when is it time to let a friendship end? And I say that because in the story of Ruth and Naomi, there's a third character that starts off their journey with them. And her name was Orpah. She was a sister-in-law to Ruth and a daughter-in-law to Naomi. And she bails. Uh, Times got tough. And on a dusty desert dirt road, she was given the opportunity to leave and she did. And um, okay, I'm going to geek out for a second, but I read this and this is not in the book. So this is just for your podcast. Yes. Yes. Girls Night Exclusive. Yes. Yes. I (laughs) I love the power of names. And um, I, I, I speak about that a little bit in the book, but um, one of the names that was given to um, the daughter-in-law, her name was Orpa, and the name Orpa means back of neck. And I feel like, um, and, and so some theologians will say that these were actually not their real names because these women were not Jewish. These women were not Hebrew women, and yet they had Hebrew names. And so they believe that that was kind of like her moniker or her nickname because the last thing they saw of her as she walked away was the back of her neck. And I kind of feel like sometimes there's some orpas in life and that is okay. There will be people that walk away. But what I love about this situation is that Naomi gave her permission to leave. And I think that sometimes we hold on to people because we're afraid of losing them when truthfully, they don't want to be with us anyway. And secondly, they're not going to be the ones that are going to do the hard yards with you. They're not going to be the ones that are going to commit to you. And that is okay. I've had to learn that the hard way of letting go of a friendship that I was friends with for over 10 years. And it was painful and hard. I mean, we vacationed together. We hung out on the weekends. Our spouses were friends. And the ending of that friendship was so painful. But I feel like if we learn how to end things well, it will make us more prone to start new relationships in the future. Oh, that's so good. Because you're so right. It's I feel like we're not necessarily, I mean, there's part of us that's, that's inherently afraid of the vulnerability that friendships require. Um, 
because it's scary to open up the deepest parts of yourself to another person. When they're, when you're open like that, the chances of you getting hurt are a lot higher, but the chances of, of, of you being able to be deeply loved, I mean, it only can happen when you're that open. But I think when we have gone through something really terrible or when we have been really hurt or damaged by a friend, that makes it even harder to open up. And so I love the idea that ending it well can, you know, give us the, I don't know. It's a better, that's a better place to start again. So I, the idea that this is, this is hard for me. I'm a friendship person through and through. I don't know if you're an Enneagram person, but oh, I'm a two. Oh, I love twos. Three twos it's, are my favorite and two threes are my second favorite. Yes. I was going to say I'm a, I'm a two three. Um, but, and so, I mean, relationships are like my thing. And so the idea of letting go of a friendship, it feels like it feels cruel. It feels um, like I'm abandoning someone. It feels like I've failed. And so that that difference between like, this is a friendship worth fighting for. This is, this is a friendship that's going to go the distance versus this is a friendship that was sort of for a season or maybe the time, like it's kind of run its course. Yeah. Talk us through the difference there of how to really start to discern that. Absolutely. So um, for those that love bullet points and you are either a one or an eight, I will give you three bullet points because I found it to be helpful. Um, and then for those that are a little bit more narrative driven, like sevens like me, I will give a personal story about that. <laughs> but I, I think um, one, if someone begins to make you feel less than, if you walk away from a conversation feeling worse, about yourself, um, if you feel like being in their presence causes you to question or doubt any of the unique gifts or callings that God has given to you, that might be a good sign that they're not in a season of friendship. Two, if you feel uh, like they need more than you can give, that will end up exhausting a relationship. And three, it could just be a change in season for both of y'all's life and it could be the end of it and it could end healthy. Those three things have been so helpful for me in pr protecting my heart and also protecting that relationships. Where um, in like the third scenario, when it's just, hey, we run our course. I remember when I moved to Orange County from Los Angeles, I had a great group of friends, but realistically, proximity was the thing that kept us together. We were in a church community together. We were in a small group together. We were in the same ministries together. We, you know, hung out and vacationed and traveled together. And when I moved, we just didn't have that liberty anymore. And we all kind of had a couple conversations about like, hey, I love you and you love me. And when, we, when we're together, we can be together. Um, in the first two situations though, I actually had... That was probably more painful. And that was the 10-year relationship where every time we hung out, I always felt like I was failing her. Like no matter what I did, um, no matter how hard I tried, I felt like it wasn't enough. And this isn't to meet to play the victim because I'm sure on her side, she had some very real feelings about probably how I wasn't coming through as a friend. I just didn't know how to fix that. And in one really hard conversation, I just paused the conversation and I said, wait a minute. I don't think that this is the issue. The issue that you're bringing up to me right now doesn't feel like it's the issue. I think your issue is with me. Like, I just don't think you like me. And she paused and said, you're right. I said, okay. This is super hurtful, but thank you for your honesty. And I think that we should just stop pretending that this is going to be okay. That was a very mature conversation. I know for some people like twos, it's probably giving you like hives and angina. Don't worry. Those, <laughs> those happen every once in a while. So I just recently had a conversation with someone 
I was pretty close with. We were in the same uh, circles, in the same industry, same passions. And I, I would have considered this, this person a friend, a close friend, a confidant. And something had happened where I felt like there was a sense of, if, if I'm being completely honest, a sense of betrayal where I kind of like backfooted. And I was like, ooh, this does not feel safe. I feel taken advantage of. Um, and this is not the type of friend that I want to be in community with. Well, after I think several months of her realizing that I just wasn't engaging or communicating like I I, I was, I, she called and we had an honest conversation. Not only was not only did she invite me to be honest about the in the conversation, she also was aware of like, perhaps how she treated me, and then she wanted to make amends. And though I was so grateful for that conversation. Conversation. I thanked her profusely. I also knew I needed to protect my heart and my mind, and so I told her, "I said, hey, I'm for you. I am championing you. I'm loving you. But realistically, in this season, I just don't know how good and how real of a relationship we'll be able to have because I kind of know where I stand. And it doesn't mean that I love you less. In fact, I totally appreciate this conversation, and I'm for you, just at a distance. Is that okay? And I think she was really shocked. But after the shock wore off in about 30 seconds, she was just like, "I really appreciate your honesty. Thank you." And I just texted her two days ago and she texted me a week ago and it's good, but let's not put on any pretense here. We are for each other, but we're really not going to be like super close friends because friendship is an honor and friendship is a gift. And you have someone in your life that's just a taker or someone in your life that doesn't make you feel safe, they're not worth your time. Mm. Is that and savage? I don't know. No. It will help your life not suck, friend. <laughs> and that's the point. I don't want people to waste their life sucking. They can have great relationships and invest your time, your energy, your love, your resource, and all the value that God has given you to invest in meaningful relationships. 